When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. Uh, we've got uh, rugby on the show this morning and uh, we've also got uh, some NFL action. Uh, it's getting uh, interesting, only uh, five games into the season, but there's some patterns developing there, so we'll be going to America to talk about that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a panel with Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Jordan Oppert this morning to talk uh, through a number of issues. And some netball, some netball just uh, after 11 o'clock uh, as well with the Constellation Cup. And uh, after uh, the farce, the schmozzle, I think uh, is the nicest way you could describe the Jamaican series or non-series. Uh, really, it does need, netball does need this uh, Constellation Cup to be up and running and to be successful as well. So they will be our major focuses for the day. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, there's no doubt that Saturday at Eden Park was a raging success, exceeded expectations. Organisers, fans, players absolutely pumped. A big pat on the back, fully deserved. The triple header concept from the outside looking in, a winner. But what now? No tournament action for another five days. And whilst it hasn't left town exactly, it has left the Mecca, Porsche's Garden, where the fruits are tries. My experience of World Cup is whenever you start to not play, it starts to lose momentum. You've got to keep the action coming. Keep it on the telly. Keep it in the papers. Keep trumpeting heroines and performance. Otherwise, you run the risk of losing that early momentum. Especially when so many of the stars are unknown. I mean, how many players from England and France do we know? And they are the best players in the world. And here's a good gauge, here's a barometer to success. How many will turn up in Whangarei when England do play France this weekend? That's numbers one and two. Should be a thrilling matchup considering they seldom play each other on neutral turf. A leveller. Meanwhile, the Black Ferns will take their Karanga and Haka out west to Waitakere against Wales. It won't be a cakewalk, it will be a win. And by the time they play game two of the afternoon, it should be packed to the gunnels. And let's hope, out of respect and curiosity, it doesn't empty out for the game after them. World Cups are all about making true champions, individual stars for life. Already, regardless of what transpires, the names Tui and Woodman are unforgettable. They are superstars. But if England's coach, if I'm England's coach, I should say, I'm posting all those articles about them and the Black Ferns up on the dressing room wall. Motivational speeches should be almost irrelevant. Make them know who we are. 
make them know our names is all I would say. And now the tournament has raced to its gears. It's really hit top gear quite early. Let's hope the absence of uh, any play for a week at a time doesn't send it back towards neutral. Nine oh six, and uh, there was a lot of interest uh, awaiting the naming of the All Black Fifteen um, to tour uh, Ireland and to to play at Tottenham Park as well in uh, London against the Barbarians. Yesterday, a twenty-eight strong squad was announced with selections done by the All Blacks panel of uh, Ian Foster, Joe Smith, and Jason Ryan. We are told, uh, and the mix are eight players with Test rugby experience, including uh, their skipper Patrick Tuopolotu, named as uh, uh, captain yesterday amongst uh, some other candidates as well. And joining us is the editor of New Zealand Rugby World magazine, Jim Kayes, to talk about that selection. Jim, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. Good selection. Paddy Tuopolotu is captain for you. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? I mean, uh, there's probably four or five maybe in that um, All Blacks 15 um, who will be pushing hard to get back into the All Blacks, pushing hard to make it into that uh, squad of 33 for next year's World Cup in France. Patrick would certainly be one of those. Uh, Luke Jacobson, perhaps another one. Uh, both halfbacks, I think, Smitty. And uh, the really interesting one, Damien McKenzie, who obviously was an all-black winner, played in Japan, and now has to work his way back into it. So those, I guess, are the five that I'll really be looking hard at uh, in those two games against the Island Day and, and the Barbans. Let's uh, look at the makeup uh, first of all of the forwards, Jim. There's 16 uh, players picked in the forwards, eight of whom are Canterbury players. Um, <laughs> no backs, no Canterbury backs in, in the group at all, but uh, eight forwards, and I think that suggests where our forward production line is. Yeah, and I guess, Smithy, if you look at the All Blacks forward pack, uh, some of the stars are, are in there as well, aren't they? Scott Barrett, uh, for one, Sam Whitelock, uh, the young fella Newell coming through, you know, the, the list goes on. They certainly have been very, very good at producing high-quality forwards, and it is no surprise uh, that they're, you know, perhaps the team to beat in the NPC now. And uh, and as you say, there's what is it eight eight of the eight of the uh, forwards that have been picked from there. There's a couple of surprising admissions, or well, maybe not surprising, but Peter Garcia Kula was picked in the All Blacks, and now he can't make an All Blacks 15. Um, so, so that's a little bit interesting, and there's certainly a lot of speculation around about why that is, um, off-field misdemeanours and those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, it certainly does show that the Red and Blacks are, are a production line of forwards. It's interesting for me that uh, they went uh, for both TJ Perenara and Brad Weber. I thought they might go one of the two. Um, but uh, really interesting going for the two. Is that a lost opportunity to find something out about someone else, or is that uh, just a, a clear illustration that the, the number nine jersey at the top level is very much up for grabs, particularly behind Aaron Smith? Yeah, well, we've certainly got five very good halfbacks, haven't we, Smithy? Um, and perhaps it is a lost opportunity to give someone else a go, but those two that you mentioned, Weber and Pinanato, they will be absolutely keen to get back into that all-backs environment where, particularly for TJ, he's been such a feature for, for about a decade now. Um, I really like the, the cut of uh, Brad Weber's job. I just, I just don't see where he fits into that all-backs trio, though, because I, I like the other three that are in there, too. 
But I would say this, mate. I think for the first time in his career, Aaron Smith is under the most pressure. Uh, huge pressure. He, he's Look, we know he's been a world-class, perhaps the best in the world for a very long time, although DuPont has moved ahead of him now. But he has become a little bit predictable. He has become a little bit one-dimensional as a halfback. And I think there are some really strong alternatives to Aaron Smith. That's not to say that I think that they're going to go with those alternatives as a starting halfback, but there, there certainly is now real competition and real depth at halfback. And look, that's a good thing. Aaron Smith will tell you that's a good thing. Um, and if it, if it keeps him honest and it, if it brings back parts of his game that need to come back into a bit more of a running game, for instance, uh, then that's a good thing. Effectively, um, the All Blacks have, uh, during a small time of this tour up north, they're going to have, what, something like 60-something players available to them. So if you're not in that group, you might be looking perhaps uh, at something overseas or you might be seriously taking a long look at your game and your future, Jim. 63 players, Smithy. Um, and, and you're dead right. You know, if you haven't made that group, then I don't think you're any chance, really, uh, to, to make the World Cup squad next year with a couple of exceptions to that. Joe Moody is out injured, um, and mm. Ethan Blackadder is out injured as well, and I'd give both of those two uh, a pretty decent shot at making that World Cup squad. Uh, but even within the All Blacks, you know, there's going to be a bit of movement. Ian Foster said on the breakdown on Monday night, on Sunday night, uh, so you might see three or four guys go each for each of the, the games that the All Blacks 15 play, the one against Ireland, the one against the Barbers. A bit of a switch over there. Certainly guys like Roger Turuvasa, Sheik, Lester Fainan, Nuku. Um, these guys need games. They need to they need to find themselves. Um, Foster said Stephen Perifetta is going to play against Japan, uh, but I'd suggest that he needs both Japan, Scotland, and one of those other games up there as well. Um, and so, yeah, It'll, it'll be interesting to see how he shuffles those around, but you're dead right. Apart from one or two very notable exceptions, if you're not in that 63, then you're really not in there thinking, are you? No, you're not. I, I can't see how you possibly can be. Um, and you mentioned Stephen Perifeta, uh, and I suppose he is uh, looking over his shoulder. Uh, I mean, you can't, couldn't blame the kid, and it's not really through his own doing. But the name uh, Damien McKenzie is always going to be on people's lips because he's that kind of player. He, he's one of a, he polarises people uh, to a certain degree, Jim, because he is so brilliant at one moment and not quite so brilliant the next moment. But he is a game winner, a game changer. Uh, clearly, clearly he's got close back, even though after his time in Japan. Yeah, I'd, you're dead right. You've summed him up. Game changer, game winner. I'd have him in uh, um, 23 just because he's so good off the bench and like Bowden Barrett can cover first five and, and full back. Um, but Paul, we've got some exciting backs, you know, because there's a few people that fit into that into that category. But Stephen Petter, I feel sorry for the young fellow. You know, he he's made his debut in a one-minute um, run on when they were losing to Argentina in in um, Christchurch. I thought it was embarrassing, really, that they put him on at the time that they did. It shouldn't have happened. Should have protected his debut for a more meritorious and a more memorable moment. Um, but yeah, he, he needs game time. He needs to get out there and play, and he needs to show that he can foot it at an international level. Because at the moment, we have no idea. Um, you know, one, as I say, one minute where he didn't do anything doesn't really tell you anything. So he's in a he's in a tussle, yes, for sure, with Damien McKenzie. But at the moment, he, he had both arms tied behind his back. So I hope he gets some opportunities. I hope he gets to start against Japan and maybe against Scotland. Uh, and, and I hope that he flourishes because he's clearly a, a talented player. 
Mm, clearly, absolutely clearly, and he's a work in progress. When I've invested a lot in him, uh, two or three names. Uh, 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 there's so many, Jim, because the quality of our, our, our rugby is pretty darn good, as we all know. Uh, no, Sean Stevenson, Tavita, Tavita yeah. Lee, Josh Morby, Tyrone Thompson. They're just four that sort of came to mind out of what I've been watching lately. Yeah, look, I'd agree with all of those. I wonder, to me, to leave the head already signalled whether he was going back to Japan. I don't know. Um, but, you know, you can... We could throw probably another four names on top of that. Um, and, and there's just so many particularly good outside backs at the moment. Um, and, and you've got to pick someone, don't you? So, yep, I agree with you. There's a few names that are a little bit surprising, perhaps, that are missing. Um, hey, one guy that I should have mentioned before, Asaf Almoa. He's another one who's obviously been in the All Blacks, is still firmly on the fringe of the All Blacks, um, and, and he's another one who could take this opportunity and, and really impress as well. I've got a question for you. What do you think of the name of this team? Because I don't like it. I don't like the way that the, the name of the All Blacks is being misused, I believe. I think the All Blacks are the pinnacle team in New Zealand, and uh, New Zealand rugby's made a big mistake by over-marketing and diluting the, the brand. Yeah, that's, I, I, I quite agree with you. And as I said um, uh, to the boys in the breakfast show right at the end of their show, I, I'm not a be- big believer of A-teams or, or, you know, New Zealand cricket second-elevens or, or, you know, over the years I've just kind of thought, no, that, that it, it, all at one, it signals to, for them straight away, your second best. But to, it should have, if, if it's to be an ongoing thing, I totally agree with you then perhaps, uh, you know, if, if we're going to send a side over, uh, I, I, I totally agree whether it's Aotearoa 15 or, or something of that. So yep. it's its own unit that you look for. I personally uh, would like to see um, the Māori All Blacks uh, go overseas and spread the culture a bit further wide. Um, and, and the reason I say that, Jim, is because they are an identity. They are a side people want to watch already. And within their ranks, let's face it, they're providing the backup group anyway. Um, and, and so I totally agree with you. I think New Zealand 15 is just a... And if not, name it the Saracens. Name it... Uh, you can't call it the Barbarians because, of course, they're playing the Barbarians. But oh, I, I totally agree with you. It's, it's a misnomer. It really is. Yeah, it is. Um, and you did write about the uh, the Māori team. And again, I, you know, the, the Māori All Blacks, the All Black Sevens, I just think we should have the All Blacks and uh, let those other teams exist in their own ide- in their, in their own with their own identity. I love the New Zealand Māori team. I think it's a fantastic side to have, and long may it continue. Uh, but there is one All Blacks. Uh, you know, we don't wish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean. I don't like. I just don't like it attached to other teams. Uh, and I think those teams yeah. should be allowed to establish their own identity. And that's that's not saying anything negative towards those teams. Only about the name. Yep, totally agree. Um, agree on that one. Um, here's another one for you. Uh, people have just uh, texted in. Uh, what about Kurt Eklund? Two backup hookers uh, out of uh, Canterbury, but Kurt Eklund doesn't make the grade yet. I thought Kurt Eklund's played pretty good rugby this year. Yeah, he has. Um, he, he was he was very good for the Blues, wasn't he? Um, and again, I think Cody Taylor and, and Dane Coles will be under a little bit of pressure holding their spots because... There are some good ones coming through. Um, is it, I always get the bells confused. It's George Bell, I think, who's the exciting hooker coming through. Um, yep. And, and as I said, I suffer a more as well. And look, you just come back to the fact that even though there are 63 players who are heading away, you can only name a certain number and people are going to miss out. But Kurt Eklund, yep, another one that you say is uh, 
perhaps a tad unlucky. Right, Jimmy, uh, can we just change tack for, just for uh, a second? Uh, I think it was sure. everything that everyone wanted uh, at the weekend, wasn't it, at uh, Eden Park with the, uh, the, the Black Ferns on show, of course, and uh, in the end uh, getting their act together and winning quite comfortably. Pretty much uh, I would have thought everyone would have left the ground satisfied, wouldn't they? Oh, it was a fantastic night. I took my 16-year-old daughter and three of her friends along. Uh, they went to see Rita Ora, and they came away Black Ferns fans. And, uh, and that's the truth of it, the reality of it. They absolutely love the, the afternoon, the, the evening, the occasion. Um, and, you know, so from a fan perspective, fantastic second-half performance by the Blackburns. Wonderful to see them get that win. If you're Wayne Smith, you'd also be smiling a little bit because you're able to show them the, the video of the first half hour and say, hey, don't get too far ahead of yourselves. You're pretty ordinary for 30 minutes. Uh, this is what we need to work on. So from a coaching perspective, fantastic too. And, you know, when I heard people like uh, Ruahe Demant and, and Ruby Tui speak afterwards, and just, you know, Demant said, I don't want tonight to finish. And that really sums it up for those players. What a fantastic occasion for them to run out with 34,000 people there. Um, and, and I just, yeah, I totally agree, man. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic evening. And, uh, and hopefully the World Cup just gets better and better from here. Yeah, and that is, uh, I brought it up in my sermon just briefly. I, I'm just a tad worried here, uh, Jim, because <clears throat> World Cups, uh, and I've been to a lot of uh, World Cups in, in a number, and two codes in particular, but I've followed other ones, including the FIFA World Cup. Not very often they go seven days without any action, and that is the danger. There's the upside of the triple header, which is value for money and a great day out, but then you have the absence of any action for five to six days, and you just wonder if you run the risk of losing a bit of momentum there. Yeah, I totally agree with, with that concern. Um, I guess time will tell, but yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I like seeing games every couple of days. Um, I also, if I'm really brutally honest, would have liked to have seen a few more games played away from Auckland. Uh, you know, Dunedin under the roof, perhaps. Queenstown, what a magnificent backdrop. Um, Nelson, Chicago Park there. Those sorts of places, just to to move it around a little bit. I understand why they've done it from a financial and logistics perspective. Uh, and I also understand why they're, why they're playing the games on the weekends because they hope that more people will get along on the weekends. But, yep, I definitely share your concerns. I, I think it's a little bit of a gamble and we'll, we'll, you know, time will tell. But I think they have sold out this Saturday at uh, Waitakere, which is great. But, yeah, momentum, as you know, Smithy, momentum's important, not just for the teams, but for the crowd, for the tournament. And there could be uh, a drop in that momentum, as you say. And the uh, the other thing uh, that I, I briefly touched on too is that England are the favourites for this tournament. No one uh, will deny that. They're, they're trying to put um, trying to put a, a face on the fact that um, it's New Zealand's to lose now. But uh, don't worry about that. England will believe. Um, and and yeah. we, don't know, we don't we don't know them. Um, and somehow I, I think we we need to perhaps showcase uh, players from other teams as well. I mean, the big game of the weekend undoubtedly is France against England at, uh, at Whangarei. But we don't know anyone. Jim, and I just wonder how they get around that. Yeah, it is one of the um, difficulties of, of the women's game at the moment. And hopefully this, this sort of level of publicity will bring a more household name to some of those players. Look, they've got 458 caps they had in, in their starting 15. Uh, they've got more caps in their forward pack uh, than the Black Ferns had in their whole starting 15. They've got a couple of players in there who have played more than 100 test matches. 
their lock was the uh, women's player of the of the year last year. Um, and as you say, and I heard you sermon that you know they are the team to beat, not not New Zealand. They are a fantastic team. We all thought they were going to just rumble it up, but man, they showed some pace out wide uh, on Saturday as well. So. Um, that will be a. I, I know that Wayne Smith, Wayne Smith has said publicly, he said in New Zealand Rugby World that uh, he does lie awake at night worrying about the, the England Ford pack, you know, penalty, kick for the corner, light out, drive, try. Um, so they're a formidable team. And uh, I just hope it's New Zealand versus England in the final, Smithy. I, I hope that the semi final sees France play England again and uh, that the Black Ferns go on and take on England in, in the final. That'd be a fantastic occasion. And Jim, just finally, if we could uh, touch on the NPC, because I've just got a text in, actually, saying uh, you haven't talked about the NPC, but it, it was on my list to talk to you about. We're down to the last four. Uh, it, to me, it's been a, a hell of a competition. I've, I've absolutely loved it. And last week, all four games could have gone either way. Uh, somehow they've stumbled onto a great concept, which has produced some terrific, even rugby. It has, absolutely, and I'm looking forward to a Canterbury-Auckland final and Auckland winning the final. Um, mm. it would, it's, just, <laughs> it's just such a pity that so few people are going along to the games uh, because they deserve bigger crowds than, than what they're getting. Uh, and I've heard a lot of negative talk about the NPC and should, should we continue with it and all of those sorts of things. Like Jingo's, the NPC is the lifeblood of New Zealand rugby uh, and may it continue to produce wonderful players, may we continue to rely on it to bring through players um, and just hopefully people, you know, find it in the south to get along and, and, and watch a few more of the games. But it's going to be a, a great semi-final occasion this, this weekend. Uh, and as I say, I'm, you know, Auckland snuck in on the weekend, but I'm hoping that they do a bit better this weekend. Jim Case, uh, always great to chat to you, uh, editor of New Zealand Rugby World magazine. Thanks for your time this morning and covering all of those bases. Uh, Jim, have a good day. Yeah, thanks, Smithy. Always good to chat with you, bud. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Jimmy Case there uh, helping us out, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, some uh, views across that. Um, yeah, New Zealand 15, it is hollow, isn't it? It is a bit of a hollow name. What does it really mean? Um, it means, in essence, it means the, 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 the not-so-best of the best, really, doesn't it, when you, when you particularly the All Blacks are on tour at the same time? Um, wouldn't it be great to have uh, give them another name, another identity, and, uh, I don't know, there's... Uh, there's all sorts of uh, versions out there. Maybe you want to text us on that, double eight double three. What would you call them? If you don't want to call them the New Zealand 15, uh, you can call us on 0800 150811. Send your texts in as well. Um, and uh, incidentally, we are going to open up the lines very shortly, and uh, we'd, we'd love to uh, give you the opportunity to win a chemist warehouse voucher as well. We'll be back shortly. Yeah, 9.29 here on SENZ, so please, uh, can you give us a call, 0800 150 0800-150-811. What did you make of that All Blacks 15? Who for you are the lucky or unlucky players? That would be nice to know. If uh, you went to Eden Park on Saturday, how did you enjoy it? But will you be going to uh, Waitakere this weekend, uh, or was it a one-off for you? Will you be travelling to Whangarei if you're in Auckland to go and watch games up there? England versus France. So... Uh, do you feel it might have lost a bit of momentum? I mean, was that the be-all and end-all until the playoffs for you? Uh, or is, is there a chance that you will uh, continue continue um, supporting it uh, with um, with your bum on a seat, basically? That would be good to know. Uh, 9.30 here on SENZ, uh, time for uh, our first update of the morning with Araha. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. 
Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Just watching a Premier League game actually uh, at the moment uh, as well out of the corner of my eye and Nottingham Forest and Aston Villa are drawing one all and it's the most physical game of football I've ever seen in my life. Uh, there's been better, uh, better standard of uh, tackling in this particular game um, than some of the NPC I've been watching. It's just unbelievable. Uh, hands all over players and pushing and shoving and forehead to forehead. Referees uh, got to be very careful here. It's brutal. Right, uh, let's uh, get away from that. Uh, first caller today is Charles from Auckland. G'day, Charles. Thanks for calling. Hey, Smithy. Hey, look, I just saw online that Levi Moa um, is in the um, New Zealand 15. And, and wouldn't, wouldn't that defeat the purpose of Moana Pacifica by picking him? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I, I, I agree what you're saying because uh, you, you sort of assume that uh, that's going to be feeding um, the more the island nations as such, um, and, and, and I get that. But I think one of the reasons that um, a lot of those players signed is because they didn't want to say goodbye to the, the possibility of being an all-black, and that would have been part of their brief, I imagine, for signing, and they didn't want to be discounted uh, or, or labelled the fact that because you're playing Super Rugby for, for Moana Pacifica, you still cannot be an all-black. Uh, so I think, yeah. Charles, that, that, that is the reason there, and, and they would have been... Uh, because at the end of the day... Uh, for a lot of these guys, I'm thinking some of the younger players, uh, even out of Hawke's Bay where I am, uh, your, your Lincoln McClutchies, uh, your, your Stacey Ealys, your Danny Tawalas, etc., are uh, all very young guys still with aspirations of reaching the very highest level, which for them they would regard as still being the All Blacks. So uh, I think that's uh, where you see it, um, Charles. I, I'm, and the, here's a guy, Levi Omoa, who is a hell of a rugby player, isn't he? Well, he's, he's something that we could probably do within the All field. I totally agree, um, but just to answer your, your initial question, um, I, I don't think um, that at, at any stage when Levi or more or most of those players, of course a lot of them have already played for other countries anyway, so they're ruled out, but those that haven't, who are New Zealand-based players, certainly would have aspirations still for that all-black jersey. No, awesome. And uh, Sean Stevenson ought to be the most unlucky player around at the moment. Yeah, uh, that is a very good call, Charles, and I just wonder... I just wonder with that whether um, you know his uh, rumour or his association, the fact that he may have been seen uh, in Australia talking to rugby league aficionados, the, that was the rumour going around. I just wonder whether it came to a 50-50 decision. Um, those All Black uh, selectors as such said, well, if he's looking away from us, we can't have that. Uh, and maybe he was yeah. a victim of that. What do you reckon? Yeah, possibly. Um, although your, your colleague did reveal this morning that... Uh, he spoke with him and, and Sean vehemently denied that he's going to go to the Dolphins. Well, um, that, that is, uh, that's unfortunate then because, like, like you, yeah, okay. like you, like you, I believe uh, he certainly uh, is all black material at some point. And I hate to think that he's, because he isn't in this, and I go back to that point, if you know there's 63 players going to be in Europe at one time, if you're not in that, Charles, you'd be a bit worried, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, World Cup doesn't look likely. Oh, well, thanks, thanks, no. Smithy. Uh, thank you, Charles. Nice to hear. Uh, nice to hear you call in. Uh, Nev, Nev from Dunedin. Neville, good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. Um, I've no idea what you'd call the, the All Black Seconds. <laughs> you could call them the yeah. nearly, nearly All Blacks or some All Blacks. 
very hard. But it just I had a thought, of, you know, with the World Cup, you were talking about, you know, people going along and, and being aware of things. Well, the problem is it's on Spark. So just about all rugby fans are not going to see the other teams until they play New Zealand. So oh, I don't know. It's just beyond me that, that rugby authorities would go on a streaming network to show the showpiece of their sport. And it's the same with cricket now. Hardly anybody will be watching the, the, the Black Caps um, because, I don't know, I, I'm a cricket fan and a lot of cricket fans are over 50 and I'll guarantee most of them don't want to stream looking at their phone or whatever it is. Oh, I wish Neville, I um... I, I, yep. I agree with your sentiments there, um, but what I will say is that um, even though there was a big announcement from Sky yesterday to um, to let people know that they've pretty much got the World Cups covered in Rugby Union uh, till 2029, which is a long period of signing in the modern marketplace, I can tell you. To tie something up for seven oh. years is a hell of a coup. So for, for people yeah. that aren't Spark fans, that is good news as such. But you've got to, we've got to always say, uh, realise that uh, the marketplace of television rights needs competition. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, the, the various sports are the beneficiaries of that because if it's a bidding process, the bidding goes up, they get more money. It's as simple as that. And that, that has to happen. Um, and that is just a reality that uh, you and I, Neville, as uh, older citizens of this country, uh, <laughs> have not grown up, have not grown up used to. Uh, you know, I remember when... Um, you know, the furor, Neville, uh, when Sky came along and everyone said, you are kidding me. I have to pay to watch sport. I have to pay. Can You you, you must remember those days, Neville. And it, it, it yeah, just changes I, I all do. the time. Yeah, I do. You know, I agree. There has to be competition, but please don't go to a streaming network. <laughs> okay. Well, um, hey, just, just while I've got you, Nev, um, uh, how are you looking at Live now in terms of uh, the official world golf rankings? Um, uh, because that's the key. That is the big key, the official go- uh, world golf rankings. If the golf they play means nothing on the world stage, but just a paycheck for them from the um, the Arab bosses, um, if they can't get those rankings, where do you see it? Yeah, I agree. Um, I have a feeling they will um it may take a wee bit of time, but what has become obvious is um, oh, how can I put it? Um, the PGA Tour definitely they, they can see themselves as you know the dominant force in world golf, and everything they're doing is trying to continue that. And while the DP World Tour might think they're doing well, they're not. They're only a feeder for the um, PGA Tour now, um, which have always been to a degree, but they're even more so that now. Um, And I I just think they've got to realise they're all golfers. They're all professional golfers. And it's not them and us. They've got to work something out so they can accommodate. I mean, the live golf have joined the MENA Tour and the MENA Tour get world golf ranking points. But 
what the world golf rankings have decided, oh, no, 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 we, no, no, you're going to have to wait. Well, it's obvious why they're doing that. Um, they've joined a tour that gets world rankings, but because it's lived, they're denying them that. They're going to say, you'll have to wait, and we're going to review it. And the reason is, you've got Monaghan and Pally are on the official world golf ranking board, and that is not good. They should be an independent board. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the live golf setup, but they're, they're golfers, for goodness sake. They're all fellow golfers, and some of them are speaking out now, like Adam Scott. Um, even McElroy has just recently said they must sit down and sort this out. And that's where this common sense is. Um, Adam Scott, he's got more up top than the rest of them put together. Yep, I agree with you, Neville. As always, I uh, look forward to your, your comments on golf. But, uh, it'll come together. It, it just simply has to come together, you feel. But it's it's like um, you're talking about. We don't know we don't know the players uh, when it comes to um, some of these uh, teams that are here at the moment because they're not on the right network to, for you to be able to watch it unless they get some uh, viable television coverage, and I mean mainstream television coverage. Here, uh, a lot of those fringe golfers that have gone to LIV are going to be quickly forgotten as well. I promise you that. Uh, okay, let's go to John. Good morning, John. Hey, morning, Vinny. Hey, I'm really looking forward to this Rugby League World Cup, mate. Really yeah, looking I am forward too. To it. I'm, I mean, you probably would have seen the Kiwis on the weekend, 74-0 against the Leeds Rhinos. Um, we had a few players from the grand final that weren't playing. But, man, that Kiwis team, I'd get to the TAB right now and put money on the boost, mate, on them winning it. I agree with you, uh, John. I, I think uh, the problem is that, um, you know, all we really need to know is that they're going to gel as a unit. There's some wonderful individuals from different clubs there, as you quite rightly pointed out. It's just a case that um, that they gel together. And that game against the Leeds Rhinos, um, I, I, I read into that combination as much as scoreline. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a good sign. Yeah, exactly, mate. And and if you, like like you said, the combinations are key, but Madge has put this team together, well, actually before lockdown. And um, you can see the combinations are growing. A lot of these players, yeah, they play at different clubs, but they just gel really nicely. And um, look how frightening that four pack is. You've got Leota, you've got Wadia Hargreaves, you've got Bromwich, you've got Solomona. So, and then you've got um, Tapene, who's been the best prop in the game mm. this year. Mm. So it's mm. scary, mate. It's very scary. And I think, you know, they might even put close to 100 on Jamaica or Lebanon. Oh, they will. I think they'll both, they'll both be massive blowout scores. So their point, they're for and against, and I'm, um, I'm not 100% sure, but if, if it is a factor when it comes to the playoffs, points for and against, if it comes down to be a very tight situation, um, then uh, they've got a massive advantage there because they're going to absolutely uh, deal to those, those particular sides. Yeah, you know that, yeah. So, hey, John, uh, thank you very much for your call. Uh, yes, that Rugby League World Cup, we should not let that fly under the radar. There's so much happening at the moment, but that is a genuine chance to be world champions. There's no doubt about that. Uh, sorry, uh, Logan, next caller, please. Zaid from Auckland. G'day, Zaid, how are you? Eden Park's magic man. Um, hi, I'm not sure. You can probably tell me later um, after he's finished talking about 
if they, what the boosted odds are out for the Champions League tomorrow, you can probably look at it a bit in a bit, um, if that's all right. But um, what do you think about this Martin Guptill situation that they don't they don't want to use him anymore? They're looking to Finn Allen and um, Gary Steads came out last night and saying that um, he doesn't think that their Martin Guptill um, is going to play anymore. I just don't understand that. Why would you not give Martin Guptill a go and open him with Finn Allen? and move Conway down to four for the World Cup because you need Martin Guptill in the team. He's a world-class cricket player, and you need to play him until he retires. He's one of the best ever cricketers to be in the New Zealand team, and everyone should still remember that score against West Indies in the World Cup, 237 in that quarterfinal, and Wellington is one of the best ever players. So it just uh, just doesn't... I just don't understand um, why you wouldn't pick him, you know? I I got to listen to you, Zaid, on that. We'll, we'll, we'll try and get those odds for you. We won't broadcast them now, but we'll, we'll get some odds for you on that Champions League for tomorrow. In terms of the Martin Guptill thing, I did not see uh, that comment from Gary Stead. So, and I would find that amazingly surprising that he would uh, say that about a player who he's just picked to go to a World Cup. One of the reasons I thought that Martin Guptill might not be playing is one, I thought he might have a niggle, um, and uh, that's fine. But two, is that we know what we're going to get from Martin Guptill. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, the Finn Allen thing is, is work in progress. There's no doubt about it. And he, he looks to be an exciting player. But at the moment, um, as you say, you're going to a World Cup final tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. Um, I think I know who I'd rather have because um, he's done it before. He's been there, done it before. He perhaps doesn't do it as often as he used to, his aid. But he is a phenomenally good batsman. And I tell you right here and now, world teams do a lot of homework uh, when it comes to Martin Guptill trying to shut him down. Thanks for your call, mate. We'll try and get those odds out shortly. Thanks to everyone for their calls this morning. Uh, the lads will make a call on the Chemist Warehouse voucher and let you know it's 9.46. Quite a few texts have uh, come in regarding the New Zealand 15, etc. And uh, the battle between uh, Spark and Sky. Um, Mike says, uh, where's Tom Christie? Top the tackle count in uh, both Super Rugby and the NPC. Where's Tom Christie? Yes, eight forwards. Eight forwards in the New Zealand 15 or the All Blacks 15 that are uh, away on tour very shortly. Uh, eight from Canterbury, and Tom Christie isn't one of them. Boy, you'd have lost money on that, wouldn't you? Um, Ken has said, uh, Smithy, Zahn Sullivan is out for the season. Pretty sure he would have made that side. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, Ken. Class act. One of those players that just seems to have a little bit more time than most, and that is the essence of it, uh, of the difference between a really good player and a top-class player. Time to make those decisions, time and what they do, uh, and he is one of those players. Smooth rugby player. Uh, so they just call them New Zealand or uh, NZA. We are playing Ireland Day. A long way to go for just two games. Might have been uh, hard to play more, i.e. the European club competitions are on. At the moment, you're right, they won't release their players for A games, Anthony. You're spot on there. Um, Mark says, I'm over the whinging over Sparksport. I do not have it, says Mark. They sold the broadcast rights to Spark because they paid the most, and that helps them grow the game. Can't grow the game by giving it away for free. Exactly why New Zealand Cricket sold it to Spark. The check was bigger. Simple as that. Um, Mikey G. Hi, Smithy. While I have some sympathy for Neville regarding Spark and streaming, I was told by a senior gentleman who is on board with streaming, etc., that new technology is new to everybody, regardless of the age. So hop on board and enjoy the ride. Uh, good point as well. And uh, just finally, in this little batch of text from Reese, I'm struggling a bit to understand the theory behind the All Black 15 tour. They play two games, one of which is against the Barbars. We all know how those games tend to play out. Would it not be better to play four or five games against other A teams in Europe or something a bit more meaningful 
And do we really think that those 26 players are the next best 26 players in the country? No Stevenson, no Peter Gus, no Tavita Lee, no Eklund. Instead, they pick the players who have had a couple of good NPC games and not much else. And that is from Reese. It's 9.53. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, yesterday, uh, Baltimore Ravens got up in the last second to beat the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and this morning, Nottingham Forest did draw with Aston Villa. That was our $3.50 shot. But the Mets got whopped by the Padres in the uh, wildcard game yesterday in the MLB. Weren't even in the hunt. Uh, conceded an early lead. Couldn't get back. So we missed out there. So today we're going to go for a game, uh, or game or two of T20 cricket. Of course, the Black Caps are playing Pakistan, so $1.69. I hope it's fine down there. And Christchurch at Hagley Oval. India will, uh, for me, in my mind anyway, beat South Africa. It's $1.78. Nice odds, that. Uh, so $1.78 there. And the uh, NFL this afternoon, Monday Night Football, as it is over in America. The Kansas City Chiefs to beat uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at $1.27. And that will multi out at $3.82. And on the subject of NFL... We will be talking to Simon Hampton from the 3rd and 5 podcast after the break. Well, the NFL is well into uh, week 5. Just one game to go, in fact, with plenty of surprises and no doubt a few headaches if you play fantasy football. The Philadelphia Eagles remain the only undefeated team in the NFL after beating uh, Arizona 20-17 with uh, both New York Giants and Jets are off to solid starts as well. Meanwhile, the defending Super Bowl champion, the LA Rams, are stumbling out of the blocks. On the line with us now, of uh, out of Brooklyn, in fact, is uh, Kiwi journalist uh, Simon Hampton, of course, so uh, was with Three Television 3, is now the host of 3rd and 5 podcasts with a couple of other Kiwis, I believe. Simon, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. Now, uh, tell us a wee bit about your podcast, first of all. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, um, well, yeah, we uh, decided a, a few months ago, me and a couple of other um, like-minded Kiwis living over here in Brooklyn, that, that we all, um, you know, we all had the same accents and we all enjoyed talking about uh, basketball and, and, and football and, and a bit of baseball as well. And so we may as well start recording them. And we've been doing that for the past few months, just recording them every week, uh, a little chat about what's going on in the NFL and the NBA. Um and Major League Baseball, and of course, right now it's super busy with you know the the football season and the, and the thick of things. The the Major League Baseball playoffs just getting underway this week, and, and the NBA season just around the corner as well. So plenty to talk about. We have a lot of fun on the Third and Five podcast, and uh, give each other a bit of banter, and, and don't think take things too seriously. Yeah, no, sounds fantastic. Actually, keep an eye on New Zealand sport at the same time. Yeah, we do. We um, particularly the last like. When, when we were sort of in the, in the depths of the NFL and NBA offseason, we, we were keeping an eye on things and, and sort of trying to take a, a look at the All Blacks as they were going through, you know, a topsy-turvy season uh, back home and, and plenty of speculation about the coaching future. We we try and keep an eye as well on, on Kiwi athletes doing things over in America. We've, we've had a couple on as well. We had Ryan Fox on. We've had uh, Nehi Milner Scudder was on when he was playing in Major League Rugby in New York. Um, and we and we try and keep an eye on, on, on Kiwis going on as well. So to try and give the, give the podcast that, that Kiwi flavour and Kiwi angle. Well, certainly you've got uh, the NFL uh, as your heavy flavour at the moment, uh, as the name of your podcast mm. suggests. And uh, 
all eyes um, on the defending champions who always are going into a, a new season. But uh, the Rams, as such, uh, they're two and three, and uh, they're just not uh, they're not hitting their straps at all compared to last year. Yeah, they're not, and they're struggling a bit. You know, they lost Von Miller, a key member of their defensive team, to the Buffalo Bills in the offseason. There's question marks around Matthew Stafford, their quarterback, and the state of his elbow. He's had sort of a nagging injury there. And you're right, they're just not clicking. They don't look like they're, um, you know, they still have some talent there. Cooper Cup is still one of the best wide receivers in the game, but. Um, they, they are just not clicking and they're down at two and three now and, and there's serious questions about whether the Rams uh, can even go to the playoffs this year. It's it's uh, it's pretty tough in, in the NFC West. You've got the 49ers um, with Jimmy Garoppolo now um, at, the, at the helm again, um, leading the way for them. They're, they're doing reasonably well as well and so... Uh, yeah, it's it's some real question marks. It's still early days, but but boy, when you, when you go and sort of fail to fire a shot against the Dallas Cowboys, who are you know working with their backup quarterback um, after mm. Dak Prescott, their starter was was out for a number of weeks. Um, you, you do have to wonder about about their uh, credentials for backing up their, their Super Bowl title this year. Well, of course, uh, the Cowboys are in the NFC East Conference, and then that is where the only unbeaten team is, the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that a surprise to you? Um, I, I think we, we we expect the Eagles to be competitive this year and and, and sort of take take the next step that with their young quarterback Jalen Hurts. I don't think people quite expected them to be five and zero, and I don't think they certainly expected the the Cowboys to be four and one and the New York Giants to be four and one. And this this has probably been the best division in football. Um, but you're you're right, the Eagles are, are looking really good, and and there are question marks over the the strengths of this schedule, and, and they'll face tougher opponents down the road, but. Certainly hard to argue with their credentials at five and zero. Uh, I think Dallas, as I'm saying, is is you know really exceeding expectations, particularly given their quarterback situation. They'll get Prescott back in a few weeks, but their defense is shown to be probably one of the best in the league, uh, led by the outstanding Mika Parsons. And then the New York Giants, you know, New York football teams have sort of been, uh, well, football fans have been sort of starved of any success uh, in the NFL and. For, quite a number of years really but uh, the Giants are sort of leading the way this year at four and one and that's despite really having you know a roster that, that does lack a lot of stars uh, they're still running out Daniel Jones at quarterback uh, but they're seeing a, a brilliant year from Saquon Barkley the, the running back that they drafted a few years ago who's dealt with a number of injuries and they've brought a new head coach in Brian DeBell who is uh, running things superbly and it's probably the uh I don't know if you can have informed coaches, but he's certainly the, the hottest coach in, in football at the moment, I think. Is it easy to get a read on the Packers at the moment? I mean, they, uh, they, took, uh, they took their team on the road uh, with the Giants, of course, uh, over the weekend, and, uh, of course, the Giants prevailed there. What, what are you seeing out of the Packers and Aaron Rodgers in particular? Yeah, I don't think there's too much cause for concern. They they obviously went through a, a big offseason losing Devontae Adams, their star wide receiver, to the Raiders, um, and they didn't really replace him. I think the thing with the Packers is, you know, it was a surprise to see them lose to the Giants, and it felt like watching that game against the Giants uh, played out over in London that, you know, for, for much of that game, the Packers just kind of looked in control and, and looked like they, they might not thrash the Giants, but they were, they were never going to be threatened. And, and then they just allowed the, the Giants to, to get back into that game. But the Packers are three and two. Uh, they're second in their division, the NFC North, uh, to the impressive Minnesota Vikings. But 
I think people are realistic. There's not too many clear contenders in the NFC as opposed to the AFC. And I think people are expecting a, a team that's got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback um, to you know, be there or thereabouts at the end of the season and, and probably be more inclined to, to time their run later in the season as well. And I think they'll, uh, they'll do what they need to do to get into the playoffs and then they'll be a, a tough team to beat come playoff time. If you're a Steelers fan, if you were a, a Roethlisberger fan, then uh, you'll be pretty depressed. They're 1-4. and four. They sit at the bottom of the uh, AFC North Conference and they got a toweling from Josh Allen and the Bills at the weekend. Yeah, it was a tough uh, initiation for, for their new rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who um, surprisingly came in last week, halfway through the game, to take over for Mitchell Trubisky, who'd sort of been a placeholder in Pittsburgh um, while Pickett sort of did his apprenticeship. But Trubisky was terrible, and, and Pittsburgh looked terrible with him at the helm. Uh, they didn't look a lot better against the Bills with, with Pickett at the helm, but it's it's a tough um, you know it's a tough ask for for a guy that was just drafted a few months ago to come in and get go up against one of the the top teams in the league, the Buffalo Bills with, with a strong defense and, and a ton of good um, offensive options as well and and, and go and impress. But yeah, soundly beaten 38-3. I suspect it's going to be a bit of a long season in Pittsburgh and. Funnily enough, uh, their head coach, Mike Tomlin, um, has, has been one of the, the best coaches in, in the league for, for a number of mm-hmm. years now. I think he's been there for around 20 years and, and they're looking at what will be his first losing season this year in Pittsburgh. So um, Steelers fans have had it pretty good for a long time with, with Ben Roethlisberger as, the, as their quarterback, but they're definitely uh, in a rebuilding phase at the moment. And um, I think they, they can expect to sort of have a few growing pains as, as they ease into the Kenny Pickett era there. If you had uh, money on the first coach to be sacked in the NFL this season and uh, your choice was Carolina Panthers coach Matt Rule, you'd have cashed in because he's gone already and they're in a mess at one and four. They are, yeah. Um, and I think people kind of saw this coming up after the result at the weekend. Um, you know, they, they made that trade with Cleveland for Baker Mayfield, who was... Um, a quarterback who, who sort of people saw maybe there was a bit of untapped potential there, but look, they've struggled uh, tremendously uh, with Baker Mayfield down there in Carolina. Uh, and I think uh, it was no surprise to see Rule um, sacked. It'll be interesting to see. I think Baker Mayfield, he was, he was in a moon boot after the game. Um, so not entirely sure what the, the status of him is or whether they go to uh, Sam Darnold, their, their backup in Carolina. But yeah, they were soundly beaten by a, a 49ers team, 37-15. That's a 49ers team that, that you know, is, is, is strong defensively, but but not a huge offensive threat. And sort of to, to concede 37 points against them um, is, is pretty disappointing. Um, I suspect it's going to be a bit of a long season in, in Carolina as well. Um, you know, I think they'll, they'll, they'll probably be entering a little bit of a, a rebuilding phase there as well. So, be interesting to see how they uh, manage the roster going forward and, and whether they go into a full rebuild or, or sort of try and turn things around quickly. Yesterday we saw on uh, your Sunday night football, Monday afternoon our time, uh, the Ravens just get up with a late field goal uh, over Cincinnati. Uh, what do you see in the AFC North then? Yeah, I see uh, a pretty interesting division, honestly. I think the Ravens uh, look look. You know, this is going to be a sort of seesawing battle all throughout the season. You've got the Ravens there at three and two at the moment, the Browns and Bengals at two and three, and the Steelers at, at one and four. I don't think the Steelers are coming back from, from fourth place there, but the rest I think I could see shuffling around a bit. I think the Ravens are, are playing well. I think um, 
you know, you know, they had a close loss to, to Buffalo as well recently. Um, and, and Lamar Jackson is, is, is always going to be a, a threat leading the way there. Uh, the Bengals, again, you know, there was some question marks there. They, they started pretty um, poorly. There were question marks over their offensive line all offseason. They went and addressed that. And then um, Joe, Bar- Joe Burrow, their quarterback, continued to get sacked on, a, on numerous occasions mm. um, in the first few games. They're starting to turn things around a little bit and, and, and sort of, um, shake off that early season rust. And so, you know, Bengals fans will be hoping they can um, get some momentum down the, the second half of the season. And then the Browns are really interesting because, of course, they're waiting on Deshaun Watson, the controversial quarterback, to come back from his suspension. Um, and the feeling is if they can hang around sort of 500, a, a, an even win-loss record, and then get Watson back in the, in the back half of the season, then they they could certainly go on a little bit of a run later in the year and, and, and sneak into the playoffs as well. So, um, you know, that looks like a very competitive division. Um, we could see two, maybe even three playoff teams coming out of the AFC North if all things align correctly, but it's going to be a fun division to watch for sure. Uh, Simon, um, also, of course, uh, because it's Brady, all of a sudden there were a lot became a lot of Buccaneers fans in, in this part of the world. Uh, they're three and two in the uh, NFC South. Um, is it going to be a... Uh, and I, I hasten to, uh, I hesitate to say this actually, uh, a, a swan song for Brady, is it going to be a successful one? Because you just don't know with Tom whether it is or it, is, it isn't. Um, he teases us a wee bit, but how are they looking, the Bucks? Yeah, the, the Bucks are a really tricky one, I think. Um, look, they're, they're three and two in the NFC South, but, but that's not a particularly strong division in football. Um, and so I don't think that's saying a lot, but you know, they've got they've got their question marks, but They've also impressed with a, a very strong defense. Um, they've had a number of injuries in, in their attacking core. Uh, I think last weekend they, he had about the top three wide receivers were all injured or suspended. So um, Brady's been working with a, a banged-up offense. There's also, of course, been all sorts of rumors going on about Brady's off-field stuff, um, you know, going through divorce from his wife. So... Um, there's a real cloud hanging over that team at the moment, and, and particularly over Tom Brady. Uh, look, the guy's 45. Um, he's probably managing things, you know, to get to the business end of the season. And I think he probably knows that he doesn't need, you know, much like the Packers that I was talking about earlier, they don't need uh, an amazing record early on in the season. They probably just need to do enough to get into the playoffs in the NFC. And then if they're there, he knows he's good enough to to beat the handful of teams um, that'll that'll be there in the playoffs in the NFC to try and um, take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a deep run. So I think um, very few concerns for the Buccaneers at the moment, um, but at least sort of, you know, a few question marks, I guess. Big game uh, today, uh, your Monday night football, of course, um, and it's a betting prospect in this country where I can tell you, Simon, that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes are uh, $1.27 favourites to beat uh, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, where Derek Carr will be hoping to find Devontae Adams on a regular basis this afternoon. Yeah, well, the Raiders have, have really struggled to start the season, one and three. Uh, and you sort of wonder when a turnaround's going to come and, and things are going to click offensively for them. And, you know, Derek Carr's going to, yeah, find it, find all his offensive targets led by Devontae Adams, as you say. But I dare say, I, I can't see it coming against this Kansas City Chiefs side. they Three and one in, in the tough AFC West. They they dismantled Tom Brady's Buccaneers last week. They had a very bizarre surprise loss to to the Indianapolis Colts, who have been poor this year. But that's their only loss so far. I think um, 
Mahomes has just sort of showed, um, and you watch him play, and you know it sort of doesn't matter who his wide receiver is. He he finds a way to, to find guys. He he gets balls to to guys um, in in all sorts of unconventional ways, but he he finds a way to get it done. He's he's a brilliant quarterback to watch, um, and we and we've seen you know Tyreek Hill, the star wide receiver, left from Miami, and and Mahomes is having no problems uh, with his offense in in Kansas City. So I think Kansas City justifiably favorites there, but. You know, perhaps if the the money's good enough on the, on the outsiders, the the, Ra- the the Raiders, sorry, you know, you, you sort of back them. They've, they've got plenty of potential to click at some point, and, and maybe tonight's the night. Uh, just uh, changing tack a wee bit, Simon, if we can. Um, I noticed yesterday that uh, the Mets got uh, eliminated in the, their wild card game. The Padres give them one hell of a hiding, which uh, leaves you with uh, the Yankees in New York as such. What chance this year? Um, and what about the home run? controversies uh, surrounding uh, Aaron Judge and people putting all sorts of comparisons to him with other players. Yeah, well, it's been... it's The home run stuff's always uh, a tricky one, isn't it, in America? Would you have the, the the sort of... The, the, the leader is Barry Bonds, but, you know, 73 home runs that he hit for the San Francisco Giants um, 20-odd years ago. But, you know, there's, there's plenty of question marks over... Um, the legitimacy of that, given uh, the presence of PEDs in, in that area, and particularly with Bonds himself, and so um, you know, it, it, it sort of made it tricky to you know work out what the actual record was, and, and and most people sort of ended up settling on the fact that it was the American League record. Of course, baseball has the National League and the American League to break up the two teams, and, and people settled on the fact that 62 was was the American League record, and that was legitimate and you couldn't argue that and so I think that was the easiest way to go um, and he wound up with 62 home runs beating Roger Maris's 61 home run record which actually hit for the Yankees as well so um, you know no le- legitimacy there for the American League home run record uh, as for the Yankees in the playoffs well uh, I mean they've got to be a chance I, 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 I'm feeling a lot less confident about them than I was sort of around about June before they went on a sort of two month slide and in, in the um, in baseball and, and really played with a, a losing record, I think, for two months. And, and they turned it around a little bit in September, but they no longer have that sort of juggernaut feel to them and, and walk into matches with that swagger that they know that, you know, they they deserve to win today and they're, they're probably going to win today and that they had mm. for, for a lot of the season. So um, I back them still as favourites to, to get past the Guardians, but I think there's a bigger challenge lying that'll be the Houston Astros if they can uh, beat the Seattle Mariners and the other American League playoff I think the Astros will be favorites there and justifiably so they've had the Yankees number for the past two years those two teams don't like each other going back to the to the Astros cheating scandal about five years ago uh, so that'll be a, a hotly contested match but I think the, the Astros will certainly be the favorite there so uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for the Yankees to, to go and get the ring number 28. Simon, absolute pleasure to, to talk to you, mate. Um, hope things are going well for you guys, you and your mates over there in, in Brooklyn. And uh, throughout the season, I'd love the opportunity to catch up with you and uh, have a, 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 a nice little communication link because um, it's interesting. It's got a great following over here. Uh, and um, you're obviously way across it over there. So thanks very much for your time and hope to catch up again soon. Would love to, Smithy. Great to talk. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yeah, cheers, uh, Simon Hampton there, out of Brooklyn, New York. What a great place to to live, and uh, if you're a sports fan at all and you love American sport, he has got the right gig going. Third and fifth is uh, the podcast here, and his uh, Kiwi buddies, sensational.
10.21 here on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. This morning we have uh, Aidan McLaughlin out of uh, Havelock North uh, where the sun is shining beautifully and uh, Jordan Oppert, I'm not quite sure of the weather in Christchurch but there's cricket on today so uh, hopefully Jordan Oppert it is fine and dandy and uh, the Black Caps uh, are in action against Pakistan it uh, sort of is the beginning of a massive time in sport in Christchurch yeah, totally. Good morning, Aidan, and morning, Smithy. As I can report, it is glorious weather down here today. It always is in Christchurch. Um, but yes, definitely cricket weather. And as you say, a massive month ahead, really, because the Black Caps kind of kicks it all off for us. Because obviously coming into early November, we've got Fast Five, then we've got Cup Week, and then announced in the middle of Cup Week is the football firms are returning home. So massive month ahead here, but all really exciting and massive month ahead as well for the Black Caps. So hopefully they can get a bit of redemption against Pakistan uh, at Hagley Oval this afternoon. Jordan, I, I haven't uh, been able to watch it. There's been so much on um, just recently. I, I probably have a look tonight, but what have the crowds been like? Uh, any good? Well, I popped along on Sunday evening and there was a ripper crowd. And same for Saturday. I think that was at seven because it was obviously free to wear on TVNZ. But the, the weather was great as well, so that helps. The weather has been absolutely stunning here. I mean, it's pretty hard to believe that last Thursday it was snowing in Christchurch and they were worried if they were even going to get a game in because it's not shown a glimpse of that since. So the crowds have been good, but I feel like crowds always generally are quite good here at Hagley as well. Um, I was actually surprised the turnout as well on the opening day when the Black Caps weren't even in action. There were still a lot of people down there and who hit along after work as well. So I think we can expect the same over the next few nights as well, especially because the Black Caps are in action the next two days and then hopefully on that final on Friday night as well. But I mean, personally, in terms of the cricket series, I found it quite hard to get behind in some respects because to me it very much feels like I know Gary said has said any international they want to go out and win and they want to win a series but it does very much have that feel of a World Cup warm-up and so for me in particular I found it hard to get behind it as much as I probably usually would but look it's exciting nonetheless that we're heading into the World Cup very shortly. Right okay let's uh, get across to uh, Ada McLaughlin um, and Aidan, you'll have been keeping an eye on the Black Caps form as such. And that's the thing at the moment with the T20 World Cup round the corner. Um, I'll tell you who does look good, though, England. My God, they look good. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning to you, Jordan. Yeah, they do, don't they? And it's uh, it's interesting uh, that they've they've got over there and they're playing the hosts uh, in, a few, in a few warm-up games. Um, yeah, you, there's so many fixtures now in the next couple of weeks, isn't there? There's a lot of cricket going on, a lot of people just trying to fine-tune their squads. Um, I think England are going to be up there, along with Australia. Uh, Pakistan, I think, will be up there as well. I'm slightly concerned about the Black Caps. I don't think we've really hit our strides for a wee while now when it comes to to any form of the game fully, to be honest with you. Um, But, yeah, you you couldn't honestly say that you could lock down a a starting 11, could you really, for the the Black Caps at the moment? A few question marks. Is Finn Allen going to take that opening spot? Will Guptill come back in? few injury concerns around the the fast bowling stock. So, yeah, it's just just slightly troubling times for the Black Caps, but hopefully over the next few days they can just cement a few more places and a few more performances. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I'm not uh, 100% confident at the moment. Even though uh, Kane Williamson's starting to show a little bit of form, uh, he still isn't that Kane Williamson. You know, that Kane Williamson, I I think, and that's uh, one of the big issues we need at the top order. 
Jordan, can we just stay in Christchurch uh, for a moment, reluctantly on my cause, but anyway, we will. Um, here, let's. Uh, you've got a new mayor down there, Phil Major, who thinks um, New Zealand does a joint New Zealand bid, bid, uh, bid for the Commonwealth Games. Christchurch could host it again. Wonderful news. Yeah, uh, look, I'd be keen just to get the stadium up first and then we can sort of start rolling out the red carpet for hosting a Blooming Commonwealth. Oh, look, I mean, it would be lovely, wouldn't it? But I think New Zealand's too small. I think it would have to be across a couple of cities. I don't believe, while I love Crushers, as you know, and we've got plenty going for us down here, we don't have a stadium yet. The Metro Sports Facility, which we have our only indoor pool and also more courts, not yet done. Uh... I just feel like we're not quite there to be offering up our last games, as exciting as that prospect is. So I think um, old mate new mayor Phil Major just needs to go back to the drawing board there and firstly find $200 million we need to finish the stadium. <laughs> old mate, I love that. Right, uh, we'll take a short break. I'll uh, have some news <laughs> with uh, Aroha. And when we come back, um, more from Aidan McLaughlin and Jordan Oppert, old mate. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It is uh, Jordan Oppert with us this morning and Aidan McLaughlin and Aidan uh, New Zealand 15. It's actually, uh, or the All Black 15, quite um, interesting. Uh, there was a lot of interest actually in the naming of this side. Normally you wouldn't have it with a backup squad as such, but uh, there was. Uh, what did you make of it? Winners and losers for you? Yeah, there was a lot of interest and I guess a couple of reasons for that. Um, it's good to get another side on tour apart from the All Blacks. And then of course there wasn't much change when it came to that All Blacks announcement on Sunday was there. There wasn't many surprises, so it's good to see some fresh faces. Um, a 28-man squad, well, only eight of them have got test experience, so there's 20 winners straight away, um, 20 players that have the opportunity to, to play some, some international uh, rugby uh, of sorts. Um, and I think that, for me, people like George Bell, um, the hooker from Canterbury, he's only 20 years old, uh, there's going to be a couple of hookers retiring after the next World Cup or certainly may, won't be playing for the All Blacks anymore. So for him to sort of get into that queue is a, a big success for him. Um, Marino, Marino Makele too, I think, has been talked about as a potential All Black uh, this year and last year. So for him to get into that squad, I think, is quite important. Um, Cam Roygaard uh, from Counties Manica, the halfback, I think he's had a really, really good season. So again, uh, good for him to get in there. Um, and I actually think that, in a, in a strange way, Damien McKenzie is a winner here. Um, if there wasn't this tour and he wasn't picked in that all-black squad, um, then what would he do for the next few months? But now suddenly he has an opportunity to play a couple of games uh, and be in Europe if there are any injuries. And let's be fair, there's usually some injuries on these four or five-week tours for the all-blacks. So he's got an opportunity to play well and get back into the all-black environment and actually build a case for inclusion next year. Okay, uh, Jordan, there are eight uh, Canterbury players in the forward pack, so that's 50% of the forward pack in the uh, All Black 15, um, but no backs, um, and that is interesting. And still no room for uh, the likes of Tom Christie. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. What more does he have to do to make a side like that? I would say it'd be extremely disheartened not to be in that squad. He has had an exceptional season, and particularly coming back from injury. Um, he's also one of Jace Ryan's prodigies. We would have thought he would, you know, Jace Ryan has shaped, and Tom would probably agree, him into the player that he is. And I won't, you know, obviously has saved not as much as some of those people may have thought at the beginning uh, when you all came into the side. But 
Oh, I don't know. It, it is a tough one, I guess, for him to swallow. But yeah, huge contingent of Canterbury players. And I guess it just goes to show perhaps why they have had such an exceptional season, Canterbury. I mean, heading into a semi-final on Saturday as well. But yeah, I would say Tom Christie's my glaring omission. I guess the other one that I thought, and I agree with Aidan, that you know, deserves that, that higher honours is Cam Roygaard after the season he had. He was a bit of a standout in the NPC season this um, so far this season. But yeah, Tom Christie... Poor guy. Yeah, I, I, I feel a wee bit for him. He's top, top statistic. Yeah, sorry, Aiden. So, sorry, the other one I was going to say in terms of losers, which is he seems to have fallen off a cliff while he's been playing for Taranaki, but Pitagos uh, Sawakula. I mean, what's he done wrong? Mm. He got 30 minutes against Ireland, um, and then he's completely disappeared. That's a really, really strange situation, that one. Something's happened there, um, which we don't know, I, I would imagine. I mean, it's, his form just hasn't dropped off that badly, surely, where um, when you consider that everyone within the current All Blacks group, which is on that tour, everyone, are, you know, in the in the backup, the, um, what do they call them, the, uh, the dirt trackers, uh, you know, they've all made it without playing hardly any rugby at all. I mean, you, you look at some of them and, and the minutes of, 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 the minutes played rugby since June this year for the likes of Fokatava, Pirafeta, um, those players would be absolutely minimal. Quite astounding how low it would be. Um, Jordan, uh, let's can we um, just briefly look to at the Black Ferns? Uh, what did you make of the opening extravaganza? I loved it. It was so awesome. I actually got really emotional watching the hunter as well. Um, like, you know, hair standing up, goosebumps kind of material. It was amazing. I think that first, as we've probably well dissected over the last few days, that first opening 30 minutes, not flash. But after that, they put in a real clinic. So cool to have the hype around it with the likes of Rita Ora as well, um, really making it into a bit of that, that, that entertainment factor um, that Smitty talks about so much in terms of, you know, he wants that product to be exciting. I think they've got their work cut out for them going forward. I saw, you know, that chat um, from the English team saying that, it's basically New Zealand's to lose. I don't believe that's the case. I think they've got probably a better chance than ever in terms of having it on home soil and that support right around the country. But oh, I also still just can't get over the fact that it's not, there's no games in the South Island. So I'm a little bit better at that. Um, but what about the, the news this morning as well that the English team are going to be, if they win, get, what is it, $30,000 at £15,000 in a financial incentive, one of the largest, in a women's event behind football, like that's incredible. It just shows how far the game's going as well. So I think the chat that it's New Zealand to lose is a bit harsh, but look, the chances, the chances there, and they've got it to take. Yeah, and I, I, I look forward to the remainder of it. Um, what worries me a little bit, Aidan, though, as I mentioned in my sermon this morning, is that uh, the triple headers are great, but what it means is that all the teams are out of action for a week, which means the, the rugby. Uh, Women's Rugby World Cup sort of disappears, you know, uh, for a week uh, and loses a bit of its momentum. And Aidan, I I certainly hope that's not the case. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, realistically, if we were going to have midweek games, you know, how many people would would go? Um, So I think in terms of... I I personally think it is the right structure to have the triple headers, certainly for the pool stages. I think, you know, the most eyes are on the game at the weekend, the most opportunity for people to attend is at the weekend. Um, I think the organisers and the media, just, we've just all got to make sure that when it gets to Thursday, Friday, we're, we're all kind of building up that anticipation again. And then when Saturday, Sunday come around, 
um, people are ready to sit down and, and watch the games or go to the games. So, so for me, I, I think I think it is the best structure. It's not perfect, um, but with 12 teams, it probably is just about right. Um, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I enjoyed last weekend. I watched most of the the games. I, I sat down and watched the the Blackburns over the the Black Caps on Saturday night. You know, I thought it was a it was a wonderful occasion. And um, yeah, that first first half an hour or so for the, the, the Black Ferns was uh, a little bit concerning, but to their credit, you know, they made a recovery towards the end of the first half. They got in the sheds at half time and they, they turned it around. And I think I think now they've got that big occasion out of the way, and it was a big occasion. And they you could see on their faces and you could see in the build-up that it meant a lot to them. I think now that they've just got that out of the way, they can settle into their work for the next couple of pool games. And I think they'll build from here on in. I think, I think there's good things in store for them. Okay, um, Aidan McLaughlin, uh, thank you very much. Jordan, just before we let you go, uh, have you chosen your various fascinators for Cup Week? <laughs> Not yet, actually, but that's a good shout. It's coming around so fast. There's been too much else going on down here, but I need to. I need to look up what the trends are for this season as well. I really hope it's bright colours. I think that's sort of the vibe I've seen the Aussies go with, so I can get around that. And um, perhaps, I don't know, a bit of orange? I don't know, I want a bright colour this year, Smithy, because last year it was slim and raining, as you know, and I was under a coat, and no one even got to see the dress. So this year, I'm going bright, road cone material, so everyone can see it. <laughs> and, and, and as you look out your, your window at work, uh, how many seats have they got in the stadium so far? Uh, zero. Zero. Zero seats. But I'm glad you appreciated okay. the update I gave you the other day of the concrete pad. It's a beautiful concrete pad. Um, just needs a bit of, yeah, a bit of uh, structure. A bit of surround. A bit of surround. Okay. Hey, <laughs> hey, Jordan. Uh, yeah, a bit of something. Jordan, good on you. Uh, thanks. It was fun talking to you. And Aidan McLaughlin, too, out of uh, beautiful Havelock North. Uh, that was our panel this morning. We shall have another one tomorrow. Been great. Here is he and ALB, Anton Leonard-Brown, of course, have been our best combination in recent years. We gave an abundance of midfield, we have an abundance of midfield players. We're all fit. Totally agree, Joseph. Uh, we are um, quite luxurious in that area in terms of our choice. We're all fit. Uh, but at the moment, um, if you were picking, say they're all fit, uh, the World Cup final team to play this weekend, uh, it, struggle to go past Geordie Barrett, wouldn't you, on what you saw against uh, Australia, or was that just um, recognition that Geordie's there if needed? Uh, I kind of thought that that was quite imposing, that performance, and uh, the 80-minute effort was superb. So uh, I would imagine right here and now, uh, without those two players, he is the automatic number 12, and with them coming back, uh, he could still possibly hold on to that particular... Uh, particular spot on the side. Um, in fact, he's you know he's now one of the first pick with his play at fullback, isn't he, Geordie Barrett? Uh, hey, Smithy, um, any chance you guys can get Foster on? It's Ian Foster, of course. So he can be asked about these team selection and get some clarity on guys like Peter Gus, uh, Saul Caller, of course, Sean Stevenson, etc. Uh, we'll do our best. Not always uh, always available. Uh, the All Black coaches, as such, the All Black selectors, uh, have very small windows and they generally. Uh, I've got to say, around about the time that they pick the sides and they have press conferences and they stand um, or they sit up there and uh, they get asked questions around the selections, it's generally when they ha when that happens and then they put it to bed and uh, move on with the next thing. But uh, we'll give it a go. Uh, we'll just see if we can get a, um, a definitive there because there have been uh, more than just one 
more than just one on the Peter Gus sewer cooler uh, issue. Um, where is uh, Lock Jason Sankster? He should be there. We keep hearing about all this crap about Canterbury. Wow, wow, wow. More talent around New Zealand as well. Uh, yep, there's talent, uh, talent to burn in New Zealand. Uh, you're absolutely uh, correct there. Um, so uh, keep those uh, texts coming in. And I should also tell you that um, after 11 o'clock, around uh, 11.04, we shall have uh, Michaela sokolich Beetson on with us. Uh, now, Michaela is, of course, going to be part of our commentary team for the upcoming uh, Constellation Cup here on SENZ. And after the uh, the mess that was the, the series against Jamaica, the tiny Jamison Trophy, um, which really came to nothing uh, because of all sorts of political reasons, it'll be great to have that Constellation Cup on. It'll be great to have uh, Louis Herman Watt and Brendan Popperwell before 11 o'clock, and that's exactly what we're going to do. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Right, uh, let's uh, talk to Louis Herman Watt. I've got two notes uh, written down for you today. Uh, J-Mac, because I didn't speak to you yesterday, what a weekend. Uh, is he not the best in the world, Louis? Uh, bar none. And Livermore, um, weather's good in Hawke's Bay. We're going through a good patch at the moment, track improving. Yeah, although I wouldn't mind some juice in it because I snapped up some lovely odds around Mustang Valley at about $10 while La Creek was still in the field. So she'll get through anything with a bit of sting out of it. But I dare say, Smithy, we're not going to come back to a good track by the Saturday, are we? No, we won't be, we won't be good, but we might be better than uh, we were looking at, that's for sure. Okay, that's good news. On J-Mac, yeah, freak. Um, I don't know if you saw the head-on vision on his right on Paul Lally. Man, he just pierced the gap. The horse took a whip across the schnoz from the out there, the horse on his inside, and J-Mac still had the audacity to balance it up and kick away on the line. <laughs> and then he's he's absolutely lifted um, Animo, but I just think Animo's the best horse in the country, both, both countries. Maybe one of the better horses in the world. Hard to line him up against the North. There'll be people that say he's not quite there, but the reality is, mate, he's a freak. He was off the bit on the corner. 600 out, crabs around the Caulfield bend, and J-Mac still levelled him out. It's going to be very hard to stop in the uh, Cox Plate, but I don't think it's all over for Zaki. I think Zaki showed that he's going to go to another level again, and um, I look forward to that. And yeah, as you say, Livermore, Mustang Valley, Defibrillate Fresh is a real interesting one, over 2,000 metres. Pre-defer, booms home along with Mustang Valley in the uh, arrow field over the mile, so that's an interesting one to watch. And then tomorrow, Smithy, how's this? Group 1 Wednesdays, Andrew Forsman, lickety-split. So she's lickety-split as she's known over in Australia, lines up in the 1,000 guineas. Smithy, she'll win if it doesn't rain. I really believe that. I just spoke to Andrew Forsman this morning, though, and he just said, gee whiz, we are... What's the anti-rain dance? You would have done this for cricket a few times. Is there an anti-rain dance? No, I never had an anti-rain dance. I, I love the... When I got towards the end of my career, Louis, I love the rain. Oh, yeah. Cards and cucumber sandwiches out the back. You're on to it. You're on to it. All right, mate. Well, we're, we're doing an anti-rain dance because if it doesn't rain, cheese lickety split's going to be a group one winner in Australia, I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. So you heard it first from uh, Louis Herman Watt. Let's pop across to uh, Brendan Popperwell, who will give us some... Juicy odds today on some sport because uh, BP, uh, of course, uh, we've got NFL action today and we've got cricket as well. 
We have, yeah. Morning to you, Smithy, and uh, a nice mixture of, uh, of sports to look forward to. We'll touch on the Monday night football match. First of all, Kansas City Chiefs are very well played here. 96% of our betting market in the head-to-head is all around the Chiefs. They're $1.28. Uh, if you are liking the Raiders, though, they are some chance. They're three sixty-five. Uh, a nice piece of overs there. There's a lot of punters going towards this uh, boosted odds here. We've taken a $2,900 bet on the Chiefs to win by seven or more and Patrick Mahomes to throw three passing touchdowns. That is currently boosted to 325. So there's been some good money there uh, around that market. And also on both quarterbacks to really sling it in this match. We've seen uh, passing yards to Derek Carr over 272. That line has changed to that. And Patrick Mahomes over 283 yards. Both of those options have been very well played in what could be expected to be a high-scoring match. And yes, the Black Caps is... uh, Money both ways here, Smithy. We've seen some money for Pakistan. They sit at two dollars and eighteen cents. New Zealand one sixty-three, and in the top run scorer market, Devin Conway's taking the money there currently, where he sits at a price of three dollars and sixty cents. Brendan Popperwell there with his uh, eye across everything going on in the sporting world today. We'll have netball after the news here with Aroha. 11.03 here on SENZ. We'll be doing uh, netball uh, in this hour, of course, um, and we'll have uh, a stump smithy, 50 bucks uh, up for grabs at uh, 11.30. Uh, we'll be taking your texts as well, and there's a few of them still coming in on double eight, double three on a number of uh, issues as well. Um, but also where we talked and waited for a long time uh, yesterday about uh, the selection of the All Blacks 15, uh, which, of course, will be coached by one Leon McDonald. Uh, and uh, after uh, the squad announcement yesterday, uh, Leon McDonald was on the run home. So uh, can we hear just briefly that clip uh, from Leon had to say about his team? Your first game is on Friday, the 4th of November against Island Day. How much time uh, do you actually have with this team? When will you be going into camp? Uh, and are these players uh, continuing to play the next two weeks in the NPC? Yeah, yep. So um, the guys will get to play NPC finals, and we're assembling that the sort of following Thursday. I think it's about the 26th or 7th. Um, to sort of train them, train on the Friday, and then jump on the plane, and that gives us sort of a seven-day turnaround once we hit Ireland. So it's going to be pretty short. Um, so we're going to have to come together, and we just got to try and work out, you know, what's enough content for these guys to learn and. Um, knowing that they're probably going to have a bit of brain fog because we're not travelling business class. So, you know, we're going to be a bit tired when we get there. So making sure we don't <laughs> complicate it and make it too difficult for our boys <laughs> and us. Chief, there will be some RPA uh, investigation going into this sort of thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, um, international travel's tough at the moment. It's tough to get seats. So. Yeah. That's good. We'll get over there and, and um, have a good week's prep and, and make sure we're ready to go. We're cautious not to take up too much of your time, Leon, uh, but we've just had a couple of messages coming through on the text line and they're recurring messages. Um, people are wanting to know what's going on there, but um, how close was Peter Garcia and uh, Tavita Lee as well? Were you surprised that those guys weren't in this 26-man squad? Um, oh, look, it's hard for me to comment on, on guys that have missed out because, you know, the, ultimately those decisions weren't, yeah. weren't mine and, and um, you know, there's probably a conversation that maybe Fozzie can have at another time. But um, what, what it shows is the depth of New Zealand to be able to go as deep as we have done. Um, you know, we're going to the 45th, 6th, probably even more 
um, player and to have players like that, you know, unable to crack through is probably a testament to, to the strength of New Zealand rugby, really. And because um, I don't, I don't think you know there's a strong squad we've put out and, and some quality players and, and depth and even this what there's depth in every position. So I think it's really exciting for New Zealand and the fact that we're touring and, and able to play games on that next level is pretty exciting as well and it bodes for a, for a pro, um, you know bright future. Right, Leon McDonald there, uh, coach, of course, of the All Black 15, which was announced yesterday with his thoughts on uh, a number of issues. Uh, I mentioned the word exciting a couple of times, and uh, I think we could apply that to our next guest as well, uh, because we're talking netball now, and following on from the Jamaica series that was uh, full of disruptions and question marks, in fact, never really got going, did it, the, the tiny Jamison trophy. The Constellation Cup is about to go full steam ahead in a four-test series between uh, the Silver Ferns and the Australian Diamonds starting tomorrow night at Spark Arena. And with us now is uh, former Silver Fern, Michaela Sokolich-Beetson, who will be part of SENZ's uh, commentary team for the first match on Wednesday. Uh, Michaela, thank you very much for your time and thanks for your patience there. Uh, much needed, this uh, Constellation Cup uh, competition now, after uh, what happened against Jamaica or what didn't happen, really. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to watch some quality netball and I'm sure the girls are really excited to get underway tomorrow night. Okay, um, Michaela, let's uh, look at um, the importance of, of the Constellation Cup to, to the players. Uh, what does it mean? Where, where does it sort of rank? Yeah, the Constellation Cup is huge. Um, any chance that the girls or the Silver fans get to play Australia is next level just because they are the best team in the world and it's nice to see how you're matching up at any given point in time against the best in the world so what did you make what if what did we get out of uh the jamaica series anything at all to, as you looked on at that did, did you think that we discovered anything we went forward um yeah it was a tough one eh? it's just i guess not what anyone was expecting but i the team did take away the practice was how do you keep performing when it's not as tough? So how do you be really clinical on your past execution, turning over ball? So I think it was a nice opportunity for them to kind of see how clinical they can be. So where do you see us at the moment on the world netball stage as, for, as such? Um, we, we, we picked up a medal, of course, at the Commonwealth Games, which was uh, fantastic. Uh, England missing out there, which was a great surprise. But where do you see us sitting at the moment? I personally think that um, sitting in actually quite a good space. Uh, for the first time in a few years, I, I think that there's like a good level of depth. If you look at the Silver Ferns and you look at the Silver Ferns development squad, anyone could kind of filter between each of the squads. And the fact that Nolan's been able to pick two teams for um, both legs of the tour, I think is a testament to how many people are putting their hands up and saying, I'm ready to play for the Silver So, um, Michaela, who, who out of the, the Jamaican series impressed you? Oh, good question. Um, I found myself talking a lot about Phoenix Karaka and Whitney Furness. I thought they both just kind of stepped up another gear. Um, and I also liked the re-injection of Maddie Gordon as well and at wing attack, which for me personally, that's my um, preferred position to watch her in. What style of netball will we have to play to beat Australia? Will we have 
a cautious sort of defensive approach to shut them down, etc., or do we need to be ruthless, aggressive? Oh, it's Australia. You've got to be ruthless and aggressive because they are. They will not give an inch. So if we give an inch, we're just going to get absolutely bulldozed. So the girls know that they have to go toe-to-toe and then some with Australia for the full 60 minutes. You can't give them any breathing room. Is there any position in particular, uh, any bib in particular, that you look at with the Silver Ferns and, and put a question mark alongside it? Do you, do you look at any area and think we're still not quite right in that particular phase? Um, good question. No, but I think the fact that Gina Crampton is not here again for this series means that the wing attack position or wing attack bib is very much up for grabs and there's quite a few people kind of fighting for that position. So not that I'm worried about it, but I'm really excited to see who can put their hand up in that space. How about wing defence? How are we looking there? Yeah, wing defence is an interesting one. We've got Kate Hessenen coming back. Um, I'm really excited to see how she goes. Uh, then you've got Kayla Johnson. Phoenix Karaka put her hand up there. I think it's a position where it's no one's got their name on it fully. So, yeah, anyone's game there. Australia will be without their uh, goal attack in uh, Gretel Weta uh, and mid-quarter Ash Brazil. Uh, despite the, those absentees, though, uh, who on the diamond side should be uh, we be looking out. Who, who are the danger women in that particular uh, squad they're bringing? Mm. Liz Watson, their like wing attack centre. She is an absolute powerhouse. She's cool, calm, collected. She's really hard to rattle. She is going to be a real steady um, person in their squad. Um, I also think if they've got Sarah Clow at goalkeep and she is on. Um, that she's someone to really watch for as well. And Steph Wood, she's a goal attack. She can turn and slot those goals from anywhere. So the matchups in the shooting circle for for you beginning tomorrow night are a big key? Yep, definitely. Both ends of the court are going to be doing a truckload of work to try and counteract each other. And I think as well for the Australia team, they, those girls are used to defending Janelle Fowler-Reed in the sun court. So coming up against someone like Grace Wickey for them, they've kind of already know what it's like to defend a tall shooter who can jump. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we can exploit that or if they already kind of know how to counter it. You mentioned uh, no Gina Crampton uh, this time around, which means um, she was, uh, of course... Uh, the captain for a while there. Uh, the, the armband has now been handed to uh, Amelia Ann Ekanasio, of course. Uh, tell us about uh, Amelia Ann now that she's been back in the group. Yeah, uh, she is just off the court a really awesome person. And she is a person that people happily listen to, happily follow because of just how she is. So I think that she's a really nice, injection back into the group not just on the court but off the court too so looking forward to uh, the next world cup uh, Michaela uh, that is the next big goal I would imagine after these domestic trophies Uh, are we tracking in the right direction in your opinion at this point 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, there's always room to be better. I think that there will be a better gauge after this series to be like, where are we at? But it's also really awesome that more than just 12 are getting the opportunity. So, you know, the there's a core group staying for the whole series, but there's some people sliding in and out. And I think that that alone is going to put us in better stead for the World Cup next year. Obviously, a motivating factor for any side is when they get um, perhaps written off, there's no chance at all. And uh, across the Tasman, uh, the Fox netball experts are all picking Australia to either win 3-1 or 4-0. They don't consider the Silver Ferns a chance at all. What do you make of that? That's the first time I've heard that. I'm kind of just giggling at it. Um, I just don't understand how they could possibly have that prediction. But, um, yeah, let's wait and see. Well, we get, uh, it's it's vitally important, though, that we win one of these uh, first two, of course, the second one, heading down to uh, the Bay of Plenty, where we're told it's a sellout, which is great news. Yeah, and um, even playing at Spark Arena is huge. For some of the girls, they probably have never played there before. It's a real awesome stadium to play at. So hopefully, yeah, we can get some some points on the board this side of the ditch. Well, uh, you'll be part of our, our commentary team, uh, Michaela, for Game 1 in particular, so uh, we look forward to that, and uh, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, it's been good having a chat. So looking forward to it. Gee, there's so much on at the moment, uh, Michaela. It's nice to see netball right up there. Yes, there's so much going on. So, yeah, it's nice to have live sport and women's sport taking charge for a little bit. Well, you are taking charge, you women. That's the, that's the big thing. Um, and it's been an incredible year already. And, of course, we've got the uh, the Women's Football World Cup next year, which is probably going to be globally the biggest event of all. I mean, women's sport, and you'd be, you'd be very happy about this, is just firing ahead at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, it's really, really awesome to see. Okay, Michaela, thank you very much. Uh, we'll catch you uh, in commentary uh, tom- tomorrow night. Bye-bye. Uh, Michaela Sokolich beats in there who uh, was uh, our net, netball expert and will be alongside our commentary team, of course, uh, tomorrow night here on SCNZ. Right, uh, just looking at the Silver Fern squad too for the Constellation Cup, and uh, Michaela did mention there were two squads, and there are, in effect, two for the um, uh, squad for the games here in New Zealand, which, uh, of course, there are two, uh, one in Auckland, uh, one in Tauranga, and then, of course, uh, for the legs uh, three and four, they head back to Australia and play over there. So uh, Amelia Ann Ekanasio is captain for both legs, uh, and Kate Heffernan, Kayla Johnson, Kelly Jury, Phoenix Karaka, uh, Grace Inweki, uh, T. Paya, Selby Rickett, Whitney Sunis, and Maya Wilson. They are all part of both squads, both squads. Um, and uh, added to them for the New Zealand leg will be Sula Fitzpatrick, uh, Mila Reulu Buchanan, uh, and Peter Tuava, uh, she's uh, also in for the New Zealand leg, and uh, for the Australian leg, uh, Maddie Gordon is in, uh, Kimriera Poi is in, uh, also uh, Elitimu is uh, in as well for the Australian leg. So mix and uh, mix and mingle a wee bit there from uh, Dame Nolene Tauroa's point of view, just to to get the most out of uh, this occasion, and I would imagine she's had to maximise because. She wouldn't have got too much out of 
that Jamaican series. But interesting too, Logan, that the Black Caps are, are going to tour Pakistan twice in five months after security concerns. Of course, uh, they had uh, their tour cancelled um, and last year uh, before the first one-day international in Pindi because of an undisclosed security concern. At that point, Ramis Raja, the PCB chairman, said it was frustrating to see the Black Caps walking out of the tour by taking a unilateral approach and not sharing the security threat with Pakistan. And, of course, what happened after that was England then abandoned a short uh, scheduled tour to Pakistan due to security concerns. But Pakistan uh, have been able to host England in the last month. Uh, they played the uh, first time, actually, for 17 years. They played the uh, seven-match uh, series, uh, and Pakistan uh, were there and <coughs> with England. That was the 4-3 result. Uh, England will also tour Pakistan in December for three test matches. Quite timely, too, Logan, that he's announced it uh, and confirmed it, that we're going there because, of course, they're here at the moment, and they're playing the Black Caps this afternoon. Yeah, uh, and I mean, great. that is great timing as well. And of course, in the lead up to the T20 World Cup, a lot of great history there between uh, Pakistan and the Black Caps as well. Smithy, I'm sure you've had your own uh, great memories, both playing and commentating there. Yeah, toured Pakistan twice, actually. Uh, went there um, in um, 1984, and that was really tough going. Uh, Pakistan had uh, an extremely good cricket team. Um, and we just found it very, very tough over there. Hard to get any semblance of success, to be fair. On a daily basis, we were pretty much beaten up. Um, and then, uh, of course, in the test matches, we, we didn't fare too well either. Went back in 1990. Um, we looked like we might win a test match in uh, Faisalabad. We all Pakistan out for next to nothing. Chris Pringle being to the fore there. Uh, and uh, they fought back and, and beat us again. So... And th- at that stage, they had uh, Wazim Akram and Wakar Yunus firing on, on all cylinders too. And opening the batting there uh, for us on that particular tour in 1990 was actually David White. Now, of course, David White is the CEO of uh, New Zealand Cricket. Um, and he's the man that's uh, been making these uh, announcements uh, that uh, we will tour there twice in five months. Um, uh, we will play two test matches, eight one-day internationals, and five at T20s. Uh, the two test matches will be part of the World Test Championship, so they're vitally important there. Although we are languishing a wee bit as the current holders, uh, we would have to do something miraculous. I think, I think it's fair to say uh, we'd probably have to kiss goodbye to the maze this time around. Uh, the two tests will be played in Karachi from December the 27th to the 31st and a place called Multan. Um, from the 4th to the 8th of uh, January now. I've played in Multan, a one-day international in Multan. Uh, accommodation back then wasn't good enough, so we had to travel by bus to a place called Bahawalpur after that and stay there because Multan was actually... At that point, it was quite frightening, Logan, because my memory serves me right. Uh, they sold about eight or 9,000 tickets to a ground that only hold about seven. So they were coming over the walls at one point, coming over the walls... And it was quite, uh, I wouldn't say scary, but it was it was a little bit intimidating. They also were very good in that particular case because uh, we we batted first and uh, the boundaries were full size, absolute full size boundaries. Uh, but when they came to bat, because of the people coming over the walls and the people trying to get, they actually started to encroach into the ground, <laughs> which meant the boundaries when they were batting were shorter. Um, so that was... Uh, and in the end, of course, we lost, which we, we did, on, as I said, on a daily basis over there. 
but they certainly didn't make it very easy for us, I promise you. No, that that kind of sounds like the ultimate uh, home ground advantage there, Smithy. And I mean, I, I know the, the relationship there between New Zealand cricket and Pakistan, uh, you know, it hasn't been the greatest, but of course, I mean, a lot of that hasn't been anyone's fault other than kind of circumstances around the world. So it is great to see them returning. And the other thing there uh, out of that announcement that I like the look of is... New Zealand cricket's commitment to continue playing test cricket. Uh, I'm not sure if you spoke about this with Ricardo, but there was an interesting stat I saw online yesterday where I think back in 2005, there might have been, there was like maybe 20, 30 T20Is overall in that whole season. This year uh, alone, we're over 300, and it just shows just how many they play. Obviously, we see the Black Caps play a lot. We see the White Ferns play a lot. But it is nice to see that while some nations are opting to focus on white ball cricket, that New Zealand cricket still holds some value to the red ball. No, it's, it's huge because there is speculation that uh, Test cricket is um, slowly going to... Um fade away apart from the key matches like the Ashes and the, the key players like um, uh, India as well you could throw into the mix here perhaps and uh, it would be a great shame if we were to be put into uh, the bracket of the also rans and uh, get very little test cricket uh, based on the fact that of course that we are the current world champions but that's why it's so important that we play as much as we can we host as much as we can and of course uh, we actually um, do well and those uh, limited opportunities that we're getting. Uh, hey, uh, just, you wouldn't have seen the dismissal or the non-dismissal of Matthew Wade in the game against England, would you? Which has caused a bit of a ruckus. Yeah, that, I, I haven't, I've seen screenshots, and from the screenshots alone, it looked a little dodgy, don't you think? I'm telling you, it was shocking. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> and, and, I mean, he's just out. It's a, you cannot interfere with a fielder trying to take a catch as a batsman, even if a... Even if he's not not going to get there, or if it looks like he might, even with a dive, pull off a miracle, you cannot pull him back. You can't put your arm out and stop him advancing. Um, so if it had it been anything more than just like a warm-up game, or I mean, if that was in the T20 World Cup final, uh, final or in the T20 World Cup coming up, there would have been a massive furor about that, mm. a massive furor. If you haven't seen it, folks, uh, he top-edged the ball, Matthew Wade. He was on strike. As the bowler was running through to try and catch it, put his arm out and stopped him, basically put his arm out and stopped him. Um, and Josh Butler, who was the uh, English captain, was the wicketkeeper, just put his arms out, his hands out, <laughs> and absolutely had this wry grin on his face as if to say, what the hell? Now, Michael Hussey has come out this morning and said he was out. And Michael Hussey's the assistant coach of the Australians, saying that you just you simply can't do that. But what apparently Butler, had, uh, the umpires have said to Butler as captain, do you want to appeal? Because you've got to appeal. You can't just be given out. This has to be a genuine appeal. Uh, if Butler had gone to the Australian umpires and said, how is that for player interference, they would have been obliged to give him out on the replays that I saw. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. And Butler was just basically saying that, look, here's the thing. Uh, we're only on the early league of, league of this tour to Australia. Um, and to be fair, I didn't want it to become a massive issue. Um, and Butler, I think, uh, comes across very well as a quiet, calm, mild-mannered sort of a guy. Um, and... Uh, you, you can sense in that situation he read it right, but I think you'll find that it had been uh, a little bit more serious, a little bit more, <clears throat> a little bit more writing on the game, 
than Matthew Wade would have been out in relatively controversial circumstances. I say controversial, but I don't say surprising. Uh, 11.30 here on SENZ. Uh, we've got 50 bucks up for grabs here, folks. 50 bucks up for grabs, so get on the line 0800 150 811, and it's a chance to stump Smithy after the news here with Aroha. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it is time for Stumped by Smithy. And, uh, I wasn't here yesterday, Smithy, but I know they were playing for 100. It's back down to 50 today. I, I love what you said, that even when you lose, you could still be a winner. Yeah, that's interesting. You can get t- two questions right on the show, and that was pointed out afterwards. You can get two questions right and lose, but you can get three questions wrong and win. Knock <laughs> that one out. It's absolutely the most... Amazing set of rules for any competition in the world, to be fair. But that's what we're all about. Oh, yeah. I guess that's just, that's just the beauty of Stumped. Uh, and then for, for today, we're going to a very familiar name to start off. Uh, first cab off the ranks, first at the crease. We've got Craig from Tauranga. Coming, Craig. Oh, g'day. How you doing? Yeah, battling, battling. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I mean, obviously, I've been off for a few days, uh, but I'm back. Yeah. So how, how are you feeling? you confident you can take on Smithy? Well, it depends on the categories again, and, and I'm really hoping being a big motorsport weekend that Bathurst is one of the categories, but let's just see what we've got, um, and, and we'll take it from there. Well, and also, of course, you've got, you've got also, um, you've got a clash with uh, the mighty Canterbury at the weekend as well, haven't you? Yeah, um, to be honest, my focus, well, yeah, I mean, we do. They have plenty, obviously. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the rugby. Uh, but I uh, got tickets taking my daughter, well, my son as well, uh, to the netball. So I uh, hear that's a sellout. Okay. So that's going to be great. That's what I'm looking forward to. That, that's really cool, Craig. Have you had a long-term interest in netball? Because it's not very often uh, the Silver Ferns play in, in, in the Bay of Plenty. No, not not too often, but my daughter plays, um, and uh, actually one of the other fathers from the team um, has a contact that knows Amelia and Ekinasio, and they did a training run with her, so um, that was great for Amelia and to give to give up her time for for uh, intermediate age kids. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've always enjoyed it. I just enjoy sport, really. Um, probably like most people listening to this radio station. So, looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I am too, actually. Um, I, I really enjoy any contest between New Zealand and Australia, but netball in particular. Has over the years, over the decades, been uh, one of the great. Incidentally, um, uh, someone's just texted and said, Michael Hussey is the assistant coach of England. Uh, yeah, I got there. I, I didn't intentionally get it wrong. I knew he was the assistant coach of England, but uh, I may have said he was the assistant coach of Australia, but certainly heavily involved in that series with England. They've uh, got Matthew Mott there as uh, their white ball coach, um, Michael Hussey. Uh, man, and, and the other side, you look at Daniel Vittori helping to coach uh, Australia. That's just. It's like a reunion when you have a World Cup. Crazy. Okay, uh, let's get into the, the subjects uh, for today. And is there a subject that Craig would like, you feel, Logan? Uh, well, unfortunately, no, Bathurst has kind of fallen off now post-Bathurst. We, we may bring it back uh, when we have Murph on later in the week. Uh, your categories to choose from today, Craig, though, are the Black Ferns, the NFL, and the New Zealand Breakers. Take your pick. Jeez, I don't really like any of those. Uh, let's go with the breakers. <laughs> I love it when someone says that. All right, good luck, mate.
Just building a little bit of tension there for you. First question. Who is the head coach of the New Zealand Breakers as of this season? Um, Modi, I think, is that his name? Um, yeah, that's all I got. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I'm feeling charitable because, A, you're from a hometown, mate, but, two, yeah, it is Modi Ma'or. Smithy, I'm sure you would have been all over that one. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Modi Ma'or, and uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion, particularly at home, they're going to have a good year, a very good year, the Breakers, uh, knocking over the Jack Jumpers the other day who were last year's finalists. I like it. I like the start. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, they lost an overtime in the first game. Yeah. Competitive, sounds to me. Good yeah. Year. Uh, off to a great start there. Modi, obviously, he worked real strong with them in the player development side of things when he was working under Dan Schmier as the assistant coach. So great to see. I know we had Mark Hinton on uh, on Friday, and he said he was a little bit worried that with everything else going on in Auckland, that fans may not turn up as much as we would hope for at Spark Arena, but boy, did they turn up. Man, that was awesome to see. Second question for you, Craig. Who led the Breakers in scoring for that home opener last Friday against the Jack Jumpers? Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna pass that one on to Smithy. I, I really don't know. I didn't watch the game. Too much other sport on. <laughs> Fair. All right, Smithy, over okay. to you. Other repair or uh, Rob Lowe, but the Bigs don't generally score the most points. Of- um, Rob Lowe, would, I don't think he would have scored the most points, but he was uh, encouraging his performance. I think I'll go Rupert, the French import, Rupert. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Of course, I will never get uh, the pronunciation of his name wrong after you. <laughs> you hit me up about that a couple of weeks ago there, Smithy. Uh, it is an import, but it's not Ryan Rupier. It is Jarrell Brantley. He scored 19 points there. Breakers winning 71-65. So he's hoping that it's the start of good things. But it does mean, Craig, that you're still alive in a $50 TAB bonus bet is still up for grabs. Last question. The Breakers are only one of two teams from outside Australia to play in the ANBL. Where was the other Really? I didn't know there was another. Um, somewhere close, I guess. Let's go... I don't even know if they have a basketball program, but let's go for PNG. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I like that shout, PNG. That would be really cool. I mean, they love their rugby league. I don't know how it stands with basketball. Coincidentally, I, f- I saw this... Uh, graph online the other day that the most visited website in PNG smoothie is NRL.com. Okay, well, that's massive. The Kumul's massive uh, uh, rugby league. Oh, look, I'm struggling here a wee bit. I'm thinking Malaysia or somewhere around Indonesia, or I might even go as far as Japan. I'll say Japan. One of the worst things I have oh, ever God. seen done on a cricket field. Yeah. Uh, you are th- you're thinking kind of right on the Asia side of things, but bring it in a little closer. Singapore, the Singapore oh, right. Slingers from 2006 oh, to 2008. As soon as you said, I knew that. And Craig, oh. I, I'm with you there, mate. Uh, I I follow the the ANBL, and I didn't even know <laughs> that there was another team outside of Australia. So some days you learn something on Stumped. 
Some days you there lose, you some days you win as well, Craig. And you are a winner this morning. You got three uh, questions. Um, you got two right, uh, one right, two wrong. But you, the, the amazing thing is that I didn't get a chance. So there you go. Um, so you get the fifty bucks. Uh, stay on the line, and uh, Robbie's in, on charge in charge today. So he will make sure that uh, he's got your details right. We'll get that money to you as soon as possible, mate. All the best. Cheers, Smithy. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. Uh, that's Craig there, and uh, I think it's the same Craig said. Enough jibber jabber. Uh, let's get on with uh, the competition. And in, in the end, uh, he was able to uh, win. So good luck to him. Another fifty bucks up for grabs uh, tomorrow, being Wednesday, of course. Coming up to eleven forty-one here on SENZ. It's eleven forty-five here on SENZ, and we've got to two Craigs. We're going to have to uh, to uh, sort of uh, put something against their names to identify which is which, because the Craig that just won the money is not the Craig that said enough jibber jabber. That Craig. Uh, has come back and said, I'd like to have some fun when my namesake is uh, talking to you. So, Craig, we're going to label you now Craig JJ, Craig Jibber Jabber, from now on, and that'll be uh, our nickname for you. Thank you very much for your extra text. Logan? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, if that actually was Craig from Tauranga doing it, uh, which, of course, it wasn't, excellent, excellent multitasking there. Smithy, we were talking before, you know, with uh, New Zealand returning to Pakistan to tour, uh, and, you know, I read an article about, uh, I guess, the, 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 the quote-unquote demise of red ball cricket and how white ball is just taking over, especially the uh, T20 game. And it posed a question there about an apparent well-known theory. Um, I, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this too. The theory is that there will come a time with cricket that a player's T20 franchise, so say an IPL team, will be their primary employer and they will then get released for international windows for, say, you know, if you want to play for the Black Caps. So akin to what we see in football. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we see it in English rugby, uh, UK rugby and French rugby as well. Uh, your main employer uh, is a club. In fact, you become an asset for that club and you are at the disposal once you sign the dotted line in terms of availability uh, for other particular teams. Um, you're entirely at the disposal of your employer. So there you go. Um, uh, for me, uh, I don't see that being outrageous. You, you see, the, the, the power in, in world cricket, or the, the bulk of the power in world cricket is with India. And um, when India decide that they want to be that big, uh, and they have the money, certain people over there they certainly have the money, uh, to say, I want to buy that player for 12 months. I'll have him lock, stock and barrel. And then... I might turn around and off-sell them to you. <laughs> Imagine if it got to that point. But effectively, that's what happens uh, in rugby. I-, I will let you know if I can release you to go to uh, back to South Africa to play. Uh, of course, there will be those players um, who, um, particularly when it comes to playing for other countries, um, have that written into their contract. But let's not forget, of course, if you, if you go overseas as a New Zealand rugby player and uh, you, you sell um, your your uh, abilities and your trade over there, you can't play for the All Blacks. At this point in time, you can't play for the All Blacks because you have to come back and play in a New Zealand competition. Therefore, it would be unlikely that you'd be ever released. Now, if it came to the cricket side of things, um, I I can see it happening, particularly towards the end of their career. Why would you not, uh, a la live golf or whatever, for the sake of, say, someone turned around and said, here's a couple of million, three million US uh, for the next two years, and I will own you, and you will play for my franchise in India. You will play for my franchise in the Caribbean. Um, just after Christmas, uh, I may sell you to the BBL, 
I may sell you to the South African uh, T20 League or the UAE T20 League. Now, all of those last three ones that I've mentioned, they're all going to take place around about the same point of time. So imagine the pool of players all of a sudden that have to become available around the world to make sure that each of those leagues has uh, credibility. Each of those leagues has credibility. Um, then you factor an injury and those sorts of things as well, Logan. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that that would happen, and that probably would recognise to me um, all much towards the end of uh, test cricket for a lot of nations as well because the depth just simply isn't good enough there, and a, a lot of the older players hang in there for test cricket but and they don't make the money out of that. But if those older players were offered that kind of incentive to be owned by a club for the last two to three years of their career and make mega bucks, they would go, absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, Richard has texted in and said, some rugby talent on show in Hamilton today, Smithy. The New Zealand schools uh, up against New Zealand Maori playing. So uh, I'm not quite sure of the venue where that is. Uh, you might like to text uh, staff and say exactly where that's happening so people in the uh, uh, Waikato area might like to get along and, and have a, a long, uh, look at that as well. Uh, on the subject of uh, Mark Stafford, uh, we shall be joining him shortly. But just um, a little uh, article I was reading again this morning while uh, waiting to watch the show. Uh, Logan, remember when cruise ships, cruise ships were like, you know, with COVID, etc. you just put a mask on. If you actually mentioned the words cruise ships, you put a mask on because you thought you might catch something talking about them. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there's the thing. A third cruise ship has been now hired by World Cup football organisers in Qatar to operate as a football fan hotel docked in Doha port to add much-needed rooms for the tournament. It's a 1,075-cabin MSC opera. will be available from the 19th of November till December the 19th, so it'll be in dock that whole time. Uh, prices for the opera were listed um, on the website, starting from 470 Swiss francs, or $865 per person per night. Get this, per person per night uh, during the group stage with a minimum two-night stay. Um, it just doesn't with the, it doesn't have the hotel capacity for the teams, the workers, the volunteers, and the fans in Qatar. Will they not look at that when they first did it? When they first did it? Oh, man. Did they not look at that and say, we've got an issue here, folks. At some point, some of these people are going to have to sleep somewhere. Oh, God. So now it's the third, the third cruise liner in there. Imagine if those things, because they're in port, I'm not sure if they're licensed, uh, whether they're able to drink on those. But if they are, my God. God. <laughs> Carnage, absolute football fans heading back to the boat for the night after winning or losing. 11.51 here on SENZ. Yeah, just before we get to Staffy, uh, Texas come in and say, hey, Smithy, when England wanted to win the previous one-day World Cup, they accepted they couldn't have a fully supported strong test team and a one-day team. They put everything into winning that World Cup. Their test team went massively downhill, but they won the World Cup. We must accept we're not capable of winning a World Cup without following a similar suit. Australia and India, so I should say, are the only countries that possess the depth to win World Cups and hold a high test ranking. New Zealand cricket need to decide what we want to be strong at. We can't have it all. Mm, quite an interesting uh, theory there. Um, and not uh, a stupid one either, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and certainly we need to look at uh, that when it comes to uh, our players and our leadership groups. Uh, Mark Stafford joins us uh, as he uh, goes forward to his show in around uh, three or four minutes' time, Staff, and uh, I look forward to uh, what you've got today on Midday Madness. Have you got anything obscure today? No, not too obscure, Smithy. I'm, I'm just puzzled um, 
just with this All Black 15, we sort of touched on it yesterday. We we asked people to predict the All Black 15. I got it wildly wrong. I think I only got about half the team. Um, but there's some glaring omissions, Smithy, and particularly Sean Stevenson, Tom Christie, and what's, hap- what's Peter Gus done wrong. But I was just looking at Tom Christie, Smithy. He's 24. So if he packs his bags and heads off to Scotland or Ireland, he'll be playing against the All Black. He is quality and... Is this just the start? Or we've already seen Bundyaki, Jack, uh, Jamison Goodson Park. We've seen James Lowe, earlier days, John Hardy. It seems to be a little bit of a conveyor belt. And are we doing enough to protect these young guys? Steph, what I haven't uh, factored in here this morning, um, and someone might know and might be able to advise you this afternoon, what New Zealand players will Scott Robertson have in the Barbarians? Mm. I know. And do they have to get released? And how much say has Scott Robertson got? It's quite often Kiwis based up north that will find their way into the team. But I don't know if New Zealanders based in New Zealand will go. Okay, fair enough. Right. Uh, what else you got on this afternoon? Oh, I've got a pretty special hour between two and three. We've got multiple world champion Jason Winyard coming into studio. Uh, he's a couple of weeks away from going to the world champs. Uh, the big axeman. Um, so he'll be here for an hour, which is fantastic. We're going to talk some indoor cricket, Smithy. We're going to talk some national club championships volleyball. Uh, we'll give away the NPC Masterclass Award of the Week as well. So a real different look to today's show. I always thought if my name was Wynyard or perhaps Bolstad, I'd never have to worry about wood for the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just me, silly me. Uh, okay, Arawa, thank you very much uh, for your work today. Robbie, cool man, thank you for your job. Uh, and to you too, Logan, welcome back. Uh, we'll see you all tomorrow morning, folks. Do the same thing all over again. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.